It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, May 24th. The LA Galaxy, a 3-0 loss to the Portland Timbers. Not exactly the way that the Galaxy wanted to go up there. The red card obviously playing a huge role in this game. We're going to discuss the red card. We're going to discuss the game, tell you maybe some good things that we saw from the game, some bad things. Also, international break coming up rapidly after the Galaxy play San Jose this weekend. So uh, some players will be missing this weekend. Uh, maybe some players will be available that we didn't think would be available as well. In order to help us do all that, it's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? All right, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there. Hey, did you ever watch the um, old English comedy show, Monty Python, Flying Circus, or, or watch any of the, uh, like... Um the movies they made. Are you a fan of Monty Python? Uh, I watched like like just a, just a little bit for for not very you know not a very long time ago. Maybe maybe I, I've seen memes probably more than anything else. It was a little before my time. Yeah, I was gonna say a little before your time, but um, I mean those guys were so great. I was actually reading some stuff about them today, and and John Cleese, who's one of the main actors in Monty Python, is kind of one of the founders. He tur- it turned out growing up in Somerset, he was a a really gifted athlete. I guess he was a really good boxer. He was very good at cricket. And I just started thinking, what if he took up soccer and and got to be really good at soccer? And then he he could have signed like in Syria A with Italy. He could have signed with Parma. Then he would have been Parma John Cleese. What was that? Was that what I was waiting? Was that, <laughs> that, that was what you were waiting for? That was what you that was what you warned me ahead of time to make sure you ha- I had the drop ready. Is that that was it, huh? You know the be- the the best dad joke I think I ever heard though it wasn't even a dad it was it was my it was Mrs. Panda Miss Panda where she uh, <laughs> when she said it she didn't even realize it was funny until afterwards we saw this um, documentary about Marcel Marceau and he actually worked in the French Resistance during the war and after I watched it I said man I I never knew that I never knew he participated in the war and she said he didn't talk about it much yeah <laughs> oh. Always good. All right. See, maybe Comedy we should. Gold. Maybe, Comedy we, gold. maybe we should have her on the show more. More. Yeah, that, that's that. And she knows way more about soccer than I do. So yeah, I think I think you should probably do that. that that's good. Well, uh, let's see. Everything here at the uh, at the Guestman House. By the way, Kevin, why don't you uh, refresh your camera and see if we can get it to unfreeze a little bit? We've been having 
some fun little difficulties the, today on the live stream, just trying to get some things up. We're about five minutes behind where we normally are. Uh, but I, we, we here in this household are in complete um, and utter sort of packing and trying to get ready for our trip that leaves this weekend to go back east. Uh, my wife and I just decided and just realized um, that not only have we never gone on vacation with one child, but we were deciding to do it with two. And so we said maybe that wasn't the smartest thing for us to uh, have done. Oh. This is great. You're going to get the family truckster and, and, you know, um, you know, do the whole National Lampoon vacation thing. Go to Wally World. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think uh, I, I don't think that's in the cards for us. But, yeah, we're going to we're going to give it our best shot here as uh, as we go. But, yeah, uh, just to give everybody a heads up, that means the schedule for next week, basically after the game on Saturday and Larry Morgan will be covering the game for Corner of the Galaxy on Saturday. Um, after that game on Saturday, um, basically, we'll be off, I think, for two, uh, three, maybe shows, three or four shows somewhere in there. I put the schedule up on Corner of the Galaxy dot com. If you click on the live show. Uh, button there you can sort of figure out where it is and and sort of how how that goes um, in terms of uh, you know just trying to to figure some stuff out on our schedule but the good news is that the LA Galaxy don't play a whole bunch of games uh, at the beginning of June in fact they don't come back until June 19th so whenever the Galaxy are done playing on Saturday uh, it will then be a a break for everything and the break will then go um, all the way until we uh, until uh, they come back on June 19th right where they play the Seattle Sounders and if you're keeping track at home that means that uh that full capacity is expected on june 19th as well and, and the la galaxy were one of the first teams to sort of kind of almost announce it whenever they gave season ticket holders a little more than 30 days with a heads up that was like hey we're going to start charging you again because we expect there to be full capacity on june 19th well now we've seen that they've come out and made the official announcement we got a press release last week basically saying again that they're expecting full capacity to return on june 19th that's with the governor expecting to open everything up on uh june 15th so that's where we sit right now uh with the la galaxy and uh, and and what we're trying to do so um yeah it's it's going to be an interesting week here kevin are you ready for oh by the way it looks like you organized your vacation around the international break and i know that you did not so I did not. I did, uh, I got anyone that's giving you credit for that by the way did you know my microphone you know the company that makes this microphone you gave me they're the sponsors of austin fc i think we need to get rid of this that that's a different it's a different one it's a, diff- oh, it is? it's a different okay. company. Yes, yes. And, you know, a, a quick Internet search would have figured that one out there, Kevin. Way to be the investigative journalist uh, <laughs> that, that, that you are. Yeah, yeah. Different nothing, company altogether. Nothing, nothing slips by me, boy. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. That's I, I, I knew that somehow. I knew that. So anyway, so that's where we sit right now uh, with the LA Galaxy sort of getting ready for things. Um, we are, let's see here. Uh, the other big news that was sort of about today in particular on this Monday is that season tickets went on sale again. 2021 season tickets went on sale today so if you are interested in season tickets if you want season tickets then this is your chance to get season tickets um, because you can certainly, uh, once again, uh, have your seats reserved. Uh, I, I know this is a, a big thing we've been seeing, Kevin, on our ticket exchanges and everything that's been going on on the um, on our Discord and things like that. We've been seeing um, that uh, that there's been a whole big, huge demand for all of these tickets, but obviously there's a very limited supply. So this game against San Jose, everybody's looking for tickets. Everybody wants to go, but there's only 7,193 people who actually have those um those tickets and and without that that's that's sort of where we sit are you ready for full capacity because i have to admit i'm not and i I don't know what my fear is i guess it's just i'm just not comfortable with that yet and i've watched you know when you watch sports center you see the highlights from places like texas the baseball highlights where a home run goes into a packed grandstand it's just it just doesn't 
I don't know. I'm just, it, it scares me just to see those pictures. I, I, I guess I'm just not comfortable with it yet. But the funny thing was I've talked, you know, up in the press box, we're kind of isolated from a lot of the stuff anyways. And it's not really, we're not really crowded in there. It's not like you're in the stands where, you know, uh, you're rubbing elbows with other people, but I have talked to some fans and, and some of the ones I've talked to are not ready yet either, but, but for um, much different reasons, they like the idea of being in these little family pods with space on both sides where, uh, you know, their neighbor doesn't get up to go get popcorn in the, you know, in the middle of the second half and have, they have to crawl over everybody. They kind of like the idea of being spaced out, but um, I guess it's coming back whether we like it or not. Right. It's, it's, it's going to come back. Yeah. And I think it's time, um, you know, just just looking at all the case case rates and everything that's there. Um, I, th- I think it's time. I think it's time. And, and I'm sure there's going to be some sort of restrictions in there. I'm sure we're going to have, um, you know, some sort of thing in there that's that's still not going to be 100 percent normal. But ultimately, it's going to be normal. It's going to be as normal as we can make it for the time being. And I think as we go through the summer, it's going to just improve as we keep on going. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's still some mask mandates uh, whenever you're inside of the the six feet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a whole bunch of other things uh, that sort well, of go on uh, with this. Well, a couple of things are interesting. Uh, LAFC is a little bit ahead of the galaxy, maybe on some things. They had a, a vaccinated only zone uh, in the stands where it, you could go in there and you didn't have to social distance, but you did have to wear a mask at all times. Uh, and they did it with the press box, too. We had all the reporters had to fill out the, all this paperwork um, and show proof that we were vaccinated. It, it, I have been vaccinated, um, and I'm two weeks out, so I'm clear. Reporters who weren't went to, had to go to another part of the stadium where they were uh, sort of in a quarantine area. But people that could get that had could prove they were vaccinated went into the main press box, and we all sat side by side again. There was no social distancing. There was no space. Everybody had to wear a mask the whole time, but the, the space was closed up a little bit. So maybe that's sort of the first baby step back. Yeah, it's it's getting close to reopening for sure. And uh, and hopefully we're going to see um, a little bit of that as we uh, as we move forward. So, yeah, um, let's get a little bit into this game, however. And I want to talk just uh, just briefly about the the L.A. Galaxy's, uh, you know, just trip up to Portland. This was a game that should have included, um, you know, a lot of things. Uh, for the LA Galaxy, it should have really made the LA Galaxy a a a you know a, a, this should have been a trip that really worked for the LA Galaxy, um, and so you know it, the the fact it all went sideways, Kevin, and and the fact that you know we can't. We don't have this uh, this this good showing, right? The Galaxy were make, taking steps forward. That was really what I'm trying to get at. The Galaxy are taking steps forward. They're trying to get things, you know, better as we go along. Um, and you see them come out in the first half, and this is just general. I'll get to some details in a second. But you see them in the first half that more or less um, was able to control the first half. And in, in most cases, uh, bond did have to make some saves again, general thinking here, uh, that was more or less able to control the flow of that game against an injured Portland on the road. This was really a game. The galaxy should have taken points from, and we see with, uh, with Derek Williams and his red card, uh, that changes everything. And, you know, so often we can say, Oh, you know, perhaps the red card didn't change anything, but in, in this, this case, a hundred percent. This red card was the entire reason um, that that the LA Galaxy had the second half that they did. Um, they could have played better in the second half. Absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. But they didn't, and they lost it. So that was the well, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought the first half was pretty equal. I thought the Galaxy were were doing pretty well. They weren't dominating by any chance, but uh, you know, by any stretch. But they were doing well. Then came the poor tackle from Derek, and the dominoes began to fall. Yeah, I mean, it was and it was a fairly quick fall from 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 Grace there as well. I, I will say this. 
I know that the Galaxy dominated possession. I think Greg Vanny had it best saying that, you know, their possession was a little passive uh, talking after the game. And so we'll, we'll sort of start with that. Let's get to the starting lineup for the LA Galaxy against Portland, though. Um, this game at 1230 on a Saturday. A lot of early games, Kevin. This meant that the Galaxy traveled up on Friday. Um, which was a good thing. Traveled up on on, on Friday uh, mid-morning-ish and were, was able to get up to Portland, sort of get settled, um, and then be ready for this game. Again, a lot of things lining up for the Galaxy in this game. Here's what we did get from this uh, this particular uh, this game. And by the way, uh, I should point out that uh, that Matthew uh, sent uh, sent us two dollars for a new camera for you, uh, Kevin, because huh. I, I did get it fixed whenever we got you back. So I'm, I'm glad that. And then he this gave us another new computer. What is he talking about? I, I know it's it's clearly I updated two programs. That's really what this is. I updated two programs and they're not happy with each other right now. I can tell uh, for sure. Uh, and then uh, Matthew also gave us another two dollars and says, Kevin, uh, Kevin holding his cam hostage for chats. Basically, that's that's what it is. Um, so uh, so so thank you for that, Matt. We appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, so we we got that starting lineup here. Here are the the changes, or at least the interesting things that I found. Uh, Kevin Cabral gets his first start as an LA Galaxy player. Kevin, um, this was a you know an important thing to to sort of see his progression. He was a substitute in his first game, gets the start, and we expect him to take up and and lock down that midfield role now on that left hand side. Uh, the other surprise in this was Efrain Alvarez uh, taking over the number ten spot. This meant that Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette were more of the box-to-box midfielders. And I would say that if you look at this, there aren't a lot of defensive midfielders in this. You can say Jonathan Dos Santos is that guy, and he has been playing that role, but usually he has a partner with him that's going to do maybe a little more defense than him, whether it's Saldana, whether it's uh, Carlos Harvey um, in those positions. And so Legette sort of being in that position and not playing the 10, Alvarez definitely was put in the 10 spot on this to be the playmaker. Um, And so Vanny went with actually a pretty aggressive uh, lineup when you look at it. Chicharito, Alvarez, Grancir, Cabral, Legette, and Dos Santos are all threats to get forward. You add in Araujo and Viafania coming up on the sides. You have a team that wants to move forward on that. that that's at least what I got from, from that. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, yeah, but a couple of things. Uh, you were really disappointed with, with Efrain's play, I think we talked about earlier. And, uh, you know, it was it was interesting that when they, they had to realign the formation after the red card that Efrain was the one that came off. But I thought Cabral, you know, I, I I saw some stuff online where people were maybe not totally infatuated with Cabral. You could see that speed and how that's going to change things for the Galaxy. I thought he was dangerous at times, and I thought the speed made him uh, a, a guy who is really going to fit well with this Galaxy team. But as in the Seattle game, which was the other on-the-road loss, the other away loss for the Galaxy, the other shutout, the other 3 to nothing result the Galaxy have had this season, uh, as in that game, I saw Chicharito up the field quite a bit. I mean, he's best when he's inside the 18-yard box, and he just kind of stays there except when he comes back to play some defense. But offensively, I saw him a, you know, way up the field a lot. And I, I don't know how he winds up there. I don't know what leads to that. I mean, you can't see the whole field on TV, so I don't know what sort of drew him there. But that's not where he's supposed to be. You know, he needs to be up front and they need to get him the ball. When he starts roaming back toward the midfield stripe, that's not a good look. Well, and and I will I will argue that one of the reasons he was dropping back so far was because Efrain Alvarez was not doing his job, which is really trying to control that. There's there's two things. Either you can look at this as Efrain Alvarez did not have a good game. 
um, and it was his fault um, that a lot of things didn't work for the LA Galaxy in the final third. And I would also put that on Cabral. I'd also put that on Grant Sear. It's not just on one person. It, you know, a lot of things uh, sort of happen with this to, to sort of make that happen. Or you can say that Portland did a very good job, Kevin, of marking Efrain Alvarez out of this game. Now, I do have passing charts, and I did was it, and passing charts show sort of this average position. And what you're going to find is that Efrain Alvarez put himself on a little tiny island in the middle of the field. And whether Portland was able to do that or whether that was just maybe that's where Greg Vanny wanted Efrain to play. You know, it's one of those things. It's hard to sort of say, but because he was not, he was getting collapsed on so fast because he wasn't able to turn and make space, um, then and then you know it sort of left Chicharito to come back and collapse into that that space that Efrain Alvarez wasn't occupying occupying with any sort of force or, or conviction. And whenever it comes to Cabral, I have a lot of thoughts on Cabral. I liked his ability to get wide. I liked that he was able to be an open outlet for this thing. And, and Alvarez had a great pass to him at one point that put him sort of into space and really gave him a chance to go forward. Um, but for Cabral, he has to make decisions. If he's going to go at somebody, and, and I honestly believe that the Portland defender, whoever eventually kept switching on to him, because I think there was a switch off that was happening um, on that side, but whoever kept switching on to him was scared of him was giving him a lot. And Taylor Twelman was mentioning it on the broadcast. He's like, he's giving him too much room. Cabral needs to take it after. And I couldn't agree more. You need to attack that space. Um, and I think Cabral, given some time and some confidence, Kevin, will be that player. But what we're seeing right now is an indecisive Kevin Cabral. And if you're going to be indecisive, you don't know whether to pass or to shoot, then you're going to have the performance that he had, which is a mixed bag. He was in positions to be dangerous, but he was very rarely dangerous, um, you know, in this game. Well, yeah, Sebastian Legette talked about that afterwards. He said, it's the guy's first game. What do you expect? And and there does still, still seem to be some chemistry problems. You still do see guys breaking the wrong way, passes going behind them. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of new guys in this lineup and a lot of guys like uh, Efrain, you know, getting extended playing time they didn't get last year. So I, I think that's part of the growing pains. But, I, you know, I think you look at the tools and, and um, Cabral has a lot of tools. He just needs to get comfortable uh, with his new teammates and the style of play, who who was your player of the game? I mean, I think it was pretty hands down that even though he gave up three goals, yeah, uh, Jonathan Bond had a tremendous game. Yeah, there's two guys for me. Um, it, yeah, I think Bond for sure had a very. I, I think he's the best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer history to have given up 11 goals in six games. Um, just the, the way he's looked and the way he stabilized the LA Galaxy. I've been really happy with everything that sort of he's shown and, and done. I, I think the other guy for me was Julian Araujo, and I've looked at the stats and sort of backed it up again. He it, it continues to be now, I think, three games in a row, the standout position player. Um, he has been just so solid. One mindset change from Greg Vanny, which was really, hey, we need you to play defense first. That was it. I mean, I'm sure it was more. I'm sure Vanny went into more detail than that. But as he relayed to us, it's really about we know you have the offensive tools. We're not worried about you on the offensive side, but we are worried about you on the defensive side. So play defense first and then you can break out on the offensive side. That change has Julian Araujo absolutely looking at some national team call ups as as those come about. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go. Um but also, I think, shortens his amount of time that he's going to be in Major League Soccer. I, I, I continue to believe this. He has been a he has been one of the best defenders the LA Galaxy have had since the beginning of the season. And he struggled his first game, first couple of games back. And he was suspended for the first game. But that first two games, remember, he struggled. Um, and he didn't really come alive, I think, until the, the LAFC game where he always gets up for it. And he had an excellent game in that one. Um, so for me, Julian Rajo and, and jo Jonathan Bond, I... I I don't want to not talk about Jonathan Bond, 
But at this point, Kevin, don't you think we're at the point where we say Jonathan Bond is the goalkeeper for the LA Galaxy for, you know, the next couple of years, unless something drastically changes? It's really funny, though, because the Galaxy have a negative goal differential. They've given up 11 goals. I scored 10, I think. I think that's right. Um, yeah, it is. But yeah, uh, so you look at the numbers, and, and anybody that's not a, you know, doesn't follow the Galaxy week in and week out are going to look at those numbers. And they're going to look at the, I think he still leads the league in saves. And they're going to look at the number of shots the Galaxy give up. Uh, I think they give up 20 in this game, a nine on goal. And they're going to say, wow, this team is is really poor defensively. And I, I'm not so sure whether that's fair. And and they're, they're probably going to say, look at this, this new goalkeeper giving up 11 goals. If you watch him every week, I mean... Yeah. It, He's outstanding. It reminds me a little bit of the old Chivas USA days when Dan Kennedy was in goal. And, and there was one year he was voted second. To, he was voted to the second best 11. Otherwise, he was voted second best goalkeeper in the league. Right. And he gave up like 55 or 60 goals. <laughs> yes. It wasn't even close. Yes. But his peers recognized that, hey, this guy is really, really good. Maybe you get good when you get tested a lot. I don't know. Uh, but if, if that's the just, case, Jonathan Bond will probably win the World Cup. he he looks confident he He looks totally in control he says all the right things too i mean i i I think as a goalkeeper it would be super easy for you to just say i didn't give up those goals you know i was on an island you know where were my center backs what were those guys thinking he never does that he always defends his defenders um and i i think the defenders want that you know they know when they everybody knows when they make a mistake they know when they made the mistake and when their goalkeeper steps up and and has their back I think that goes a long way. Yeah, it, it does. Also, he is perhaps, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, maybe you know somebody, uh, he's the most laid-back goalkeeper I've ever talked to. I don't think much bothers that guy, and he always seems to be, like you said, he says the right things, but he's never agitated or, or upset. He seems to be the calm presence back there. And he even said, I'm not one of these goalkeepers who's going to yell and scream at my guys after we score after they score a goal. Everybody knows they made mistakes. We'll talk about it. We'll get it. But he goes, but I want them to know I have their backs back there. And, you know, to your point, I think that's sort of what he's uh, what he showed so far. So, I mean, you know, just it, it's fun to watch. I mean, I, I don't know that the L.A. Galaxy have had a... Um, have had a goalkeeper like this since Jaime Pinedo. I don't think that's unfair to to say. Um, and he was a guy who wasn't playing in the English championship. Um, that's a, that it's these little diamond in the rough stories. And it's not even, he's, he's not a diamond in the rough. Plenty of people would probably like to have had him and the LA galaxy landed him. I think that's an important thing to sort of, you know, pay attention to. Other teams tried to, two others in MLS alone tried to get him. Um, you're right about, I mean, I don't know that much about soccer goalkeepers. I haven't spent a lot of time, a lot of them, but I, I did spend a lot of time around NHL goalies and the goalies are definitely, uh, you know, a cut apart from everybody else. If ever a hockey player was going to be uh, a mass murderer or live off the grid, like Ted Krasinski, um, you know, the Unabomber, it, right. it would be a goalie. Right. Um, they're, they're just totally out there. And so, yeah, I mean, Bond is sort of a, he's different from the rest of the team. He, he is. But not so crazy. He's not crazy, though. That's the thing. Like, Alexi Lawless told me once, and he was like, hey, the the best night of your life and the scariest night of your life is whenever you go out and party with a goalkeeper, right? It's like, because they're a little nuts. They're not quite there. They're like kickers in football. There's just something different about them, and everybody's sort of like, you got to be careful. They could be a good time, but, you know, they, they got to be careful. With Bond, it's just calm, calm confidence. Um, and I hope nothing shakes that. I hope everything continues. And it seems like it is, because he made several great saves. I think he made six saves in this game um, and still ended up uh, a allowing three goals in there. And by the way, uh, I 
uh, I'm thinking back, the penalty kick wasn't really a penalty kick. We'll get to that. Um, the two goals that were scored, there's nothing he could do. I mean, I, I would love to say that it was positioning on Jonathan Bond. It wasn't. It was defensive positioning that caused the problems for the LA Galaxy. Um, but that's what it is. Let's stick with the first well, half. One was on yeah. a rebound off. It came off the crossbar. Yeah, it and did. Bounced right, and there was nobody there. By the way, before I forget, before we forget, um, and I know we're going to get lost here, Sebastian Legette, as you uh, as you talked about, I think, earlier, called up to the national team. He will miss Saturday's game, but I'm told Jonathan Dos Santos will not. He has been called he has been called up to the Mexican national team, but he will not be going to Arlington for this weekend's friendly. He'll be staying with the Galaxy. He'll play Saturday against San Jose, and then he will go straight to Denver that's, to meet the Mexican national team that, for Nations League. That's huge for the Galaxy because Galaxy are going to be missing Legette. They're going to be missing Derek Williams for sure for that game. Um, and so, uh, you know, Victor Vasquez still a question mark certainly in there. And so you're trying to keep as many bodies with you as you can as you finish this out and then get into this international break um, that will allow you to, one, get healthy with everybody and two, um, you know, sort of figure out what your game plan is with all this restless stuff. So um, that's important. Let's go to the... To the and, and all that can change. Yes. I mean, it's international team. They They... It's an international break. If they ask for a player, the Galaxy have to give them up. But that's what the Galaxy told me this afternoon. Okay, good. Um, Grand Seer, uh, we talked about a little bit about him. We've talked about how he has been making steps forward, Kevin. How he's been progressing, maybe at a slower rate than everybody would like, but you got to see a lot of steps forward for him. Uh, I did not see that in this game at all. Um, I, well, he's li he's limping forward now. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he was subbed out in the 40th minute. I think he turned funny on the turf. I mean... I don't know how to say this without sounding like a, like I'm whining, um, but I guess I'll say it. You shouldn't play soccer on AstroTurf. It's horrible, and I think you've seen some of the results of that just in terms of the give and the forgiveness uh, that happens with grass and the ability to maybe not bounce your noggin off of it or you know not go into uh, or, or slide differently and a whole bunch of other things. Um, well, let's talk about what it is. I mean, it, for those who haven't been around, it's a thin layer of plastic carpet um, underneath is concrete. Well, I mean, so, you're so, so there's, on concrete. there's a base under there. There's usually some, it's different than like in the eighties, whenever it was, you know, the Astrodome and you know, the bad news bears were getting ready to play. Let them play, let them play. That was one of my, that was my favorite part. I always got teary eyed with that, but uh, underrated yes. the, the bears. I, I, I agree. Um, but, uh, it, it's better than that now. It's just not that much better. There's pellets in there. There's stuff that can soften the cushion. It's a million years better or a million times better than it was. It's still not good. Um, there's well, there's well, nothing look, about it that simulates grass. Watch the replay when Derek Williams collided with Jonathan Bonham. Watch his head bounce off the turf. Ugh, it's I, again, we're going to we're getting to that. I just wanted to talk about Grant Sear. He, he twisted sideways whenever he was going for a ball. You saw him sort of reach down and hold his ankle. Uh, the official from the L.A. Galaxy is that he rolled his ankle or that there was an ankle injury there. Uh, Greg Vanny told us afterwards he doesn't know the seriousness of it. Um, that could mean anything. That can mean Grant Sear plays this weekend, that could mean he's out three or four weeks. You, you don't know with ankles. Uh, having been somebody who rolled their ankles multiple times in, in high school uh, while they were in the middle of a, a baseball season, I can tell you that sometimes you roll it and you're perfectly fine within an hour, and sometimes you roll it and you're still limping two weeks later. Um, so it all just sort of depends on what happened to that whenever he rolled it or whenever he strained it or whatever happened with that. Uh, so Grant Sear was a non-factor in this game. In fact, a negative factor as far as I could tell. That's a real step backwards for them. Hoping the injury isn't serious, hoping that he gets back on the field because I think he was starting to build some rapport and starting to find himself in dangerous spots and starting to really add something to this team. And you wanted to see that whenever you had Cabral on one side, you had Grant Sear on the other side. You wanted to see what would become of those two things. So the Galaxy go here, Kevin, all the way through this first half, almost 
to the end of the first half. Uh, in about the 42nd, 43rd minute, uh, there's a ball that goes in. Jonathan Bond comes out, has to clear it. Unfortunately, has to clear it right through um, through uh, Derek Williams as well. There's, by the way, I would just like to say that uh, Yimmy Chara was in there as well. And I'm watching the replay multiple times. I'm saying that that Chara got a got some some shoulderage on Derek Williams and pushed him back into into Jonathan Bond as well. So nothing nothing dirty on that. Nothing. It was just a play that everybody's going for it. But certainly probably a foul if you look at it. Um, and so if you look at this, um, yeah, there's some there's some some issues with that. The well, whole deal. Yeah. You know, you- you know what struck me about that replay? Yeah, there's a lot going on. You got the Chara thing, you got Derek Williams, his head bouncing like a rubber ball. Right. Um, Bond reaches over and says something to him and, and uh, tries to see if he's okay. But while he's on the ground, still kind of reaches over and makes a save. Yes, yes. He's... The presence of mind and the athletic ability and, and all that that entailed, He's he just took a blow from a guy who right. is built like a you know outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, he's down on the turf. Checks his teammate first and then reaches out with the other hand and makes a save. It's yeah. incredible. By the way, John in the chat room says, um, I said, I'm a statsman. He was pointing to me. He says, Joshua, statsman, is there evidence of more injuries, red or yellows, cards, and MLS on turf versus grass? Very good question. There's actually a lot of mixed data on injuries being more um, prevalent on turf. The general understanding is that, yes, they are more prevalent and perhaps the severity is longer. Um, but I'll be honest with you, that it, it is not, uh, it is is not 100% locked in that some some studies have actually absolutely found that there's no difference. Um, some studies have found that absolutely there is a difference. So right now, I think everybody's trying to figure it out. The general idea and certainly talking to players that I have about turf is most of them hate it. I think Sasha Kleshin said he liked it um, because he likes it whenever it plays faster. So Sasha is the, is the outlier. But most players, most coaches you talk to don't want to play it and don't want to play on it. Well, here's if you remember back in the 2015 World Cup, uh, a number of women athletes led by uh, Abby Wambach and Alex Morgan sued FIFA and the Canadian Federation to stop the Women's World Cup from being played on turf. The Men's World Cup, it's in the law, uh, FIFA laws. The Men's World Cup must be played on natural grass. Uh, the women, uh, that whole World Cup in Canada was played largely on artificial turf. And what the women said in their argument at the time was that the artificial turf plays differently. First of all, the abrasions. When you slide on it, um, it... You know, the chances that you're going to have abrasions and get cut are very high. We have an artificial turf field at the local high school here, Valencia High School. And I was talking to some football players and they said every year, every player on the team gets a staph infection at one point or another because they get abrasions. There's people spitting on the field and all that. And they wind up with infections. So there's that. Um, You talk about Sasha Kleshen liking the way it plays. It plays differently. If you play 33 games a year on grass and one game on turf, it's almost impossible to make that transition. The ball rolls quicker it rolls differently mm-hmm. yes the bounces are truer but when you're not used to getting those true bounces mm-hmm. sometimes that throws you off and abby wambach had an interesting thing too she said the ball bounces differently so when you're trying to uh, um, you know uh, reach out and, and one touch a pass or even going for a header a bouncing ball that you might try to head so the ball does not bounce the same way and uh, there's a lot of mishit balls and you see that on on corner kicks a lot, not only the defenders going in for the ball, but just the way the ball comes off the turf. So whether it's good or bad, we can argue that. But does it change the way the game is played? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you saw it even in Portland where um, I certainly think you could see some of the passing from the LA Galaxy was not as good as it usually is. Maybe you can put that in turf. Maybe it was just the fact that the Galaxy had a bad day. You, you know, that's one of those things we have to sit there and look at and say, what are we seeing and, and what are we trying to do now? 
listen, we're going to get into this this area here where there's going to be a lot of speculation, I think, both from Kevin and I. We're going to tell you what the LA Galaxy say. We're going to tell you what we think. Um, and then there's a lot of hype around Derek Williams and the tackle on Andy Polo. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I want everybody to keep it respectful in here. I understand, you know, the ramifications of somebody's career being on the line in terms of just the injuries that they possibly sustained. Um, so we have to just keep that in mind as we go. But we are going to look this at a way, hopefully, that's more objective than what you're seeing right now from talking heads on social media, posting videos and not watching the game and not seeing what happened or certainly not understanding the context within it's happened. Hopefully we're better at that um, than, than most of the people out there. And hopefully, you, you, you know, our listeners can sort of understand where we're coming from. You talked about Derek Williams, head hitting the, the ground. Um, as soon as his head hits the ground, he leads up and grabs his head. It's like it, it's like he hits the ground and then he grabs his head immediately. Um, it's like a, like getting your bell rung. That's what it looked like from him. It was a, oh my God, that really hurt. And that hurt my head. And I'm grabbing my head immediately. Derek Williams was looked at. He was assessed on the sideline. Now, big, big thing here in major league soccer, we have independent, uh, doctors from major league soccer who are supposed to evaluate concussion cases. Uh, they're the ones, Kevin, who are supposed to go up to them after somebody comes out and after the trainers looked at them and said, okay, yeah, we think they're fine. Then this doctor comes over and says, Hey, we want to check you for a concussion. This person gets to decide things that, you know, basically the team doesn't. So it, they're trying to make it as neutral as possible. And clearly they want Derek Williams on the field for this. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where MLS is sort of mandated. And I think rightfully so that there is an independent party playing a sort of a firewall here from letting a player who is clearly concussed from going back on the field. And in this particular case, Kevin, that independent doctor cleared Derek Williams to get back on the field and play. Um, it was just seconds really after he got back on the field that this poorly mistimed, totally, you know, mispositioned tackle happens on Andy Polo. Um, I'll tell you right now that I think that, um, that Derek Williams was going for the ball. I think that's clear. The ball goes between his legs. So it's pretty hard to say he didn't go for the ball when the ball goes through his legs. I also think he realized just about the time he left his feet that it was a very bad situation that he had put himself in. And you can see him sort of try to almost pull out of that. That's what I see. Um, and unfortunately there's not enough time and Derek Williams is a big dude, uh, and he goes through Andy Polo and, and right now, at least they're reporting and I don't know how accurate this is. Certainly saw it on Twitter from people who should know better than to put out false information. So I will trust them. Um, that says that Andy Polo has knee and ligament damage, uh, and could be out for the year. So that's the situation the LA galaxy find themselves in right now with Derek Williams. What, what I, I know you've seen some replays, Kevin, what did you think about the Derek Williams tackle? Well, I wouldn't. I, I frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if he is out for a long time. I mean, it looked pretty gruesome. Uh, Stuart Holden had something on social media where he said that uh, that uh, he wants MLS to take into consideration whether Andy Polo is out for the year. And and Damien Calhoun, who does a great job covering the Galaxy for the Southern California News Group, tweeted back, "Does that mean you want Derek Williams to be out for the year too?" Um, uh, you know, I did do think he will get a multiple game suspension. You and I talked about this on Sunday. Um, I think Derek Williams was out of his mind in, in the fact that I think he might have had some sort of grogginess, maybe not a full concussion. And, and remember, this was he I think the collision with Bond was like the 42nd minute. So we're right at the, the edge of halftime. I think the doctor probably felt I, I don't know. I haven't talked to the doctor. I don't know who the doctor is. The doctor might have felt a little bit of pressure. Get this guy off. We've only got a couple of minutes to go get this guy back on the field. Um 
I, I, I'm sure that he did his due diligence. I don't think there was anything untoward that went on. But that doesn't mean that, that uh, you know, he could have been misdiagnosed or Derek Williams passed all the tests. He was fine. But, you know, um, anyone who's ever had a few too many adult beverages know that you can be okay and still be kind of groggy and and out of it. And that's why you're not supposed to drive. Right. Uh, You know, you can walk to your car fine and start the engine, but you still shouldn't be driving because your reactions are slower. You make poor reactions. And so Derek Williams may have passed all the tests. I'm sure the doctor did everything correctly. But he still might not have been 100% mentally fit. And that's the way that play looked. It just, Derek Williams is not a dirty player. We've never, he's an aggressive player. Remember, remember the, the slide tackle that led to the Chicharito goal against LAFC? Yeah, it was but, LAFC? yeah, yeah. By, by the way, let me, before you, because you mentioned that, I want to add this point is that somebody tried to bring that up as a reckless tackle and that Derek Williams has made many reckless tackles before. I'll say this. I think I've seen maybe one sort of mistimed tackle before this other one that I've seen from him. Most of the time, he's in very good position. And that assist that you talk about, Kevin, was the difference between a player who was in a very good position to make a tackle, got the ball cleanly, and it was a physical tackle, but it was 100% a clean tackle. That's Those, those are night and day between the... Um, between the the one that happened here with Andy Polo. He's in a bad position. He's late. His timing isn't right. Something is, again, the tackle looks really weird because it, it's not something we're used to seeing professional soccer players make. There's something wrong with the way he went into that tackle. And, and that's my point exactly. He is an aggressive player, but he's not a dirty player from what we've seen. And that, I mean, you could call that a dirty play. Um, and that's why I think... It, it, it is in some ways, if you kind of back it up and just move Polo like a few feet away from where he was, you can say that's kind of similar to uh, the tackle that led to the assist and that he's coming in aggressively, he's going for the ball, um, you know, the, the offensive player falls over him, all that's sort of similar, but the timing is off. And that's why I just suspect it just looks to me like perhaps – you know, he was a little groggy mentally. Right. He wasn't all there. And uh, I know that you talked to uh, uh, you talked to Greg Vanny after the game and I Greg did. Vanny told you that everything was fine, that he'd been checked out. It wasn't a concussion. And he's and he's still fine, by the way. That was that was one of the things Greg says. No, he goes, no concussion. He goes, he's fine. He's still fine. As in he's talked to him afterwards and he's still fine. There's no issues. There's no worries there. Right. But two things on that. He, I, no one ever said he had a concussion he, and he could be fine. I just think that he was a little shook up mentally and and a little groggy, and that's what led to that. And so after the game, Greg Vanny says he's fine. Yeah, he is fine. Uh, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half later. The other part of that is, what is Greg Vanny going to say? Let's just say, and I'm not again. I'm not. There's no conspiracy. I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong, but I'm just saying. Greg Vanny's not going to come to the microphone after the game and said, "Yes, our guy had a concussion, and the doctor sent him on the field, and he should have never been playing." Uh, if that happens, the Galaxy are looking at a lot more than a couple of games suspension and maybe a fine. They're looking at something really big if they knowingly let a concussed player go back on the field. So, again, I'm not saying anybody did anything toward, but I'm just I, I just I'm not taking the bank to the bank the comment that everything was fine, because even if it wasn't, he's not going to tell us that. I mean, here's the, here's the thing, though. I mean, if you if you don't allow if you don't allow for that room to say that that Derek Williams was concussed, then he looks like he looks like a dick. Right. Because then he went in here and made this horrible tackle and everything is fine. So, I mean, for me, the L.A. Galaxy, 
not saying that. And again, you think that the galaxy are going to be liable for something like that. The galaxy don't get to make that decision, right? I mean, yes, Greg can pull him off if he really thinks something is wrong, but he went through the independent doctor. The independent doctor works for Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer would be the one that would be in trouble here, right? And then there could be some discussions about it. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think and and not that this is this is the speculation part that we were that we were telling you about. And again, something's not right with this tackle. It's not the way I've seen Derek Williams tackle before. So therefore, I'm putting it in the I don't know what I saw, except to say that Derek Williams made contact with Andy Polo. And now Andy Polo is probably out for the rest of the year. This is different, by the way. And the reason that we have to talk about this so much more is that there's the Darlington Nagby situation. Uh, with Nigel DeYoung and how many people wanted to say this mirrors that. I'll tell you right now, this is a worse tackle than what Nigel DeYoung did to, to Darlington Nagby. Darlington Nagby, who had an ankle injury coming into the game, who left the ankle, the, who left the game with the same ankle injury, uh, even though they put him on a wheelchair and a whole bunch. Of, there was a lot of theater involved in that. And quite honestly, a lot of theater from from, again, talking heads from around the league on on Nigel DeYoung, who everybody was sure is the dirtiest player they've ever seen in their entire life. Um, and I don't, I, I never got that impression. I got the impression that yes, Nigel Young has made some crazy tackles. Um, and certainly he did in with the LA galaxy later that year, not necessarily with Darlington Nagby, but that one incident with Darlington Nagby was not an indictment of what happened, uh, with, with, uh, with Nigel Young over the years, but people want to make it about that now for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. his reputation preceded him, but yeah. uh, again, we're in the Portland situation where, you know, Merrick, Merrick Paulson was calling for the death penalty for Derek Williams. And, yes. Uh, and, and Andy Polo came back on the field, wrapped like a mummy with his leg all bandaged can, can, up. Can I say something, by the way, Merritt Paulson has every right to go ahead and say that he's a guy who pulls for his club. You know where he's and coming pays from their salary. and pays their salaries. hundred percent. I have no issues with it. I have more issues with, um, with people taking that, not understanding the perspective from which it's coming. I mean, that's the, the whole, of course, Merritt Paulson's going to say that. I don't blame him. Go ahead, Merritt, go ahead and do that. In fact, I think every team should hope they have an owner that's like Merritt Paulson a little bit, who's willing to just, you know, throw caution to the wind, get fined by MLS, whatever happens, but have He's their like guys the back. Mark Cuban of MLS. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so you know, you see that. With Derek Williams, multiple game suspension. It doesn't surprise me at all. I think three games is where it's at. Um, if it's less than that, I won't be surprised. If it's more than that, I would be surprised. Um, there is no way this is a he didn't go for the ball um, intention. And I think that whenever the people who evaluate that in the disciplinary committee, Kevin, uh, who are soccer players who are referees and stuff like that, I think they're going to see that. Now, the force here is considerable and it's considerable because Derek Williams is a big dude uh, and he was moving at, at quite a clip whenever he made contact. Uh, it sucks. Nothing about this is good. And I don't think Derek Williams, if he's 100% in his right mind, Kevin, um, and let's pretend that he is for a second, I don't think Derek Williams is going to come out here and say that that was a good tackle or a good moment for him. So um, I think most of the part you're going to have to sit here and say that, uh, that you know, the yellow galaxy have to live by whatever this happens. And there's, you know what, there's not really much complaining about it. There's not going to be, I don't believe that MLS is going to give quote unquote the death penalty. He's not going to get, you know what, I, was it Brian Mullins who had the who had the the ten game suspension? What's the longest in, in MLS history? I was looking at it earlier today. It was the tackle on uh, Zakawani um, that was off yeah. the ball late and broke a leg and was not going for the ball. Um, there, that's a totally different situation. Um, whenever you look at what happened on the field, which was very much within the 
the ball was there. The players were there. There was two players going for the ball and they collided and Derek Williams mistimed his tackle. Nobody's nobody should defend that. Greg Vanny didn't try defending it either. No. And he's a defender. And he said right away, you know, it's a red card every time in every league in the world. And I don't know if you noticed Alan Kelly, the official, he was maybe 10 or 15 yards away. But on some of the TV replays I saw, you can see him kind of off in the distance. And um, he's still basically jogging after the play when he, his his hands in his pocket. Uh, he didn't think about it for a second. No. The red card was out uh, uh, before uh, you know Polo hit the ground, and he came over and uh, put the red card out, and then just started waving Derek Williams off the field. It, it, he seemed to be really really disgusted with the whole thing. Yeah, I mean it's not a good tackle. It's by the way, it's not anything. It, nobody's going to argue that it's not a red card. That's not the argument here, right? And that's sort of, that's, again, MLS has weird ways of doing things, but that tackle was actually on instant replay as some sort of controversial play. It's not a controversial play that it was a red card. Nobody disagreed. Nobody would disagree. I don't know why they're even bringing it up, except that they want to show it. So that way, whenever they take action for it, they can say, look what we did. We took action for it. He's going to get three games. That's what it's going to be. Um, I'm I'm fairly certain of that. Um, and, well, and, and he's a good player. And here's the unfortunate thing. I don't think he's a dirty player. Yes, we're just getting to know him. I think we would have heard a little bit about that, um, you know, if there had been issues in Europe. We're just getting to know the guy. He seems to be a very aggressive player, but he doesn't seem to be dirty. This is going to follow him, and, and that's where the sort of online uh, um, uh, chatter uh, is is worrisome because he's going to wind up with, as you said, a two or three game suspension, one of the longest in galaxy history. And, and that's going to be the sort of the, the first line of his bio, you know, Derek Williams, who was suspended for th three games for, you know, a rough tackle in his third MLS game, yada, yada, yada. And, and I, I'm not, you know, he made a mistake and he, I'm, I'm sure he's going to fess up to it. And you don't hear the galaxy pushing back at all. Unfortunately, this is going to be, like I said, the first line of his bio going forward. This is always going to follow him. Well, the Galaxy will have some time to sort of regroup a little bit. They'll play San Jose coming up. So anyway, so that's the that's the red card that you have here. Then, um, you know, no changes are sort of made in that in that last couple minutes. I think there were about three minutes, four minutes of added time in there. And then you get into the second half. The second half is really where I'm disappointed. Um, I know Greg Vanny was trying, Kevin, and he said even on the, the broadcast, he said, you know, I'm trying, he goes, I, I, we need to find a way to not just sit back for 45 minutes. We need to find a way to still attack, even though we're down a man, we need to find ways forward. And so he didn't want to just park the bus and do that. Well, unfortunately for the LA Galaxy, uh, some bad defending between uh, Depew, between Steris and between Araujo on that backside um, led to a goal with it, you know, in the 47th minute. So now you're down one, nothing. Um, it was an improper, if you really want to look at it. And I went back and sort of looked to see who was at fault here. And there's a bad shift in sort of the back line. Uh, there's three guys to two LA Galaxy defenders on that back post. Araujo has two guys. Steris has the guy in front of him who he thinks he's taking. It's really Depew trying to drop back and shift back on that play. If he shifts back, then Steris can shift back into the guy, and then Araujo only has one guy instead of two. It was a good cross. Um, you know, there's there's nothing really to to say for Felipe for Felipe Mora there. It buries it easy, easy goal. Um, not there. You go almost, you know, just a couple minutes later, or I think in the 60th minute, um, and you get the one that goes off the crossbar and sort of goes into that and comes back, and then Mora again heads it in, uh, and then you get the penalty kick. The only thing for me that is disappointing in this game is one, the LA galaxy not mounting much of a, you know, defensive stand. And how can you, after you give up 
two goals relatively quickly in that second half, Kevin. So it's not like you're going to, you know, suddenly um, have a whole bunch of, uh, you know, stuff that, that the LA Galaxy are going to be able to do. They did have some nice strings of possession. They did do some things. But by that time, the game was already over. And then you get this penalty kick, which was never a penalty kick. It's not a penalty kick in any league, in any world. Diego Valeri lost control of the ball, was already falling down. And he sought out Daniel Starez, ran into him, initiated the contact and fell. There was no way. And the fact that VAR decided to leave it alone and MLS is playing a VAR game that is much different than perhaps the rest of the world. They've suddenly decided to hang their hat on clear and obvious, Kevin, and clear and obvious can be a very large hurdle to overcome or it can be a very small hurdle to overcome. It depends on how you view it. And it looks like MLS is going to use the very large hurdle. What it was played on the field is basically what it's going to be. Unless we see something that's, oh my God, it's huge. And that's what happened in this. They did not touch well, I, this. I, I think they're reacting to the uh, all the offside calls in, in the Premier League where you know you need a microscope to see that the guy is a blade of grass in front of the the defender, and then it's an offside goal, and they, they take that away. I, you know, I, there's been uh, perhaps an overreaction on MLS's part, but you certainly hear a lot of people say, "Let let the players play," um, and and that's where I think this clear and obvious thing come from. Yeah, that's the way the rules written, but. Um, that's not the way the rest of the world interprets it. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, 100%. By the way, Matt says, uh, gave us a $5 super chat here. He says, with all this backlash, do you think that that his style of play, and you're talking about Derek Williams, will change and may have a drop in form because of it? Um, that's a good point because he's new to the league. And I mean, I think he's going to look at that and say, you know, that as Greg Vanny did, that's a penalty in any league in the world. And, and no matter where I was playing, I was going to get that red card. But he may, you know, I, that's a really good point because I wonder if he starts to think now I'm a marked man. Now I got that, you know, big uh, red A on the back of my jersey and, uh, you know, I got to worry about that. He can't think about it. I know that there's going to be an overreaction at MLS to suddenly label him as dirty. Um, I will, I have, I have, you know, uh, news for the Portland Timbers. They had several players who should have been labeled dirty, them playing all those years. Nat Borchers, which we've talked about a bunch of times, almost killed Giassi's artist multiple times. Um, and then uh, Diego Chara, Mr. Mr. Yellow Card Accumulation. Um, you know, maybe he wasn't the biggest guy, so he didn't obviously have this full physical uh, attempt in there. But certainly, it, listen, it just it, it doesn't do any good to label Derek Williams dirty. He's not a dirty player. It was just a really bad tackle, and you can see that. Um, for me... This is this is, you know, this is something that he's just going to he has to put it. I'll tell you right now, Nigel DeYoung decided that whenever and I did a one on one interview with Nigel, by the way, super nice guy, really into cars, really into some things uh, into the NFL, uh, really liked being in the United States. I think he would have been uh, a really good player for the LA Galaxy had they kept him um, there. But Nigel, I asked Nigel, you know, are you worried about your reputation coming into Major League Soccer? And he's like, no, he goes, you know, everybody officiates the same way he goes, but I can't change the way that I play. This is what's made me one of the best players, you know, in the world. And when you think about where Nigel DeYoung was throughout his time, um, you know, I think you could say, certainly say that, you know, he was one of the better players in the world. He just was very, very aggressive and he had some bad fouls in there. Um, you know, things happen in soccer. People break things and tear things and do things all the time. It is a physical sport. We see it day in and day out, Kevin, especially in Major League Soccer. MLS is a very physical league compared to some of the other leagues um, around the world. So you're going to see injuries. This is this is unfortunate. It's a bad tackle. The injuries are, you know, devastating the polo. I hope he's okay. I hope he can make it back. Um, and and that's sort of where we're at. You you go the two, three games and you move on. That's all I can that's all I can say. Yeah, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I do think, though, that there are going to be people, referees, that are going to spend a little extra time watching him. Um, Not wrong. 
Not wrong yeah. at all. Not wrong at all, Kevin. Uh, by the way, Patrick uh, gave us a $5 super chat, says, uh, I sure hope Williams doesn't change a thing. He's a stud. I, I wouldn't expect it. But again, we'll watch. We'll see how it goes. Um, and, and he's lucky that he has a guy who was a great defender in his playing days in Greg Vanny to help him through this. I'm sure that this was a discussion that Greg Vanny had back in the day with one of his coaches uh, about, how, you know, where is the line? How aggressive do you get? And and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he has some wisdom that he'll be able to impart on Derek Williams. Uh, just to give you an idea of the expected goals in this game, uh, Portland obviously had the higher expected goals, 2.76 to 1.39. The interesting thing is, and by the way, uh, at Jay Moore Quakes uh, put this together um, and does a lot of stuff for uh, analysis evolved. Yes, a Quakes guy, but um, does some great analysis for, for uh, analysis or soccer analysis, uh, American soccer analysis, I think is the website website um, and does some great things. But I thought the really interesting thing is if you look at the probability of goals, right? And the LA Galaxy finishing with zero goals only had a 20% chance. The LA Galaxy probably should have scored at least one goal in this game. In fact, it's almost near 40% chance that they should have got at least one. And their XG says that um, as well. So when we look at what the LA Galaxy did in this, they probably created enough chances to get at least one goal. Um, having said that, uh, maybe that doesn't, if, if you look at the first half, there weren't a ton of great chances that the Galaxy probably could have had um, in there, but they were ahead, certainly, in their expected goals over Portland, basically until about the 40th minute when Grand Sierra got injured, um, when things started to change a little bit for the Galaxy and then Derek Williams in the 44th minute. After that, it's all Portland. Um, and that is one of the other things that I've sort of been arguing. I've been saying, Kevin, that this red card changed the entire game. It absolutely had an effect on the game. The, the expected goals chart tells you, everything tells you, that uh, that something needed to, to sort of change um, for the L.A. Galaxy in that second half and giving up a goal right away is not going to be that you can't come back from that. Um, and I, it, it, Kevin, I would have bought I would have almost bet money that this L.A. Galaxy team would have been more than capable of playing down 10 men because of the effort that they usually give, right? We know that this is an effort-based team. We know that they like to work hard and there's no there's no better reward whenever you're down to 10 men than working hard, marking well, and being sort of that team that's hard to break down for that second half. And I thought the Galaxy would have done it. Um, and unfortunately, I'll say it, you know, bad defending, bad mindset, bad positioning um, there uh, between Stairs and Araujo and that leads to a goal and then you're out of it. You're done, that's it. No more. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And that's what ended this game, basically, in the, at, at the start of the second half. Well, and, and that makes this game coming up uh, with San Jose really big, right? Because they're going to play without two starters. Um, they're coming off um, their second 3 nothing road loss. You know, they're unbeaten at home, of course. Coming off their second, um, you know, big road loss and shutout of the season. They go after this game is when they go into the break, right? They, so yes. after this game, whatever happens in this game, they have three weeks to think about it. That's important uh, because, you know, players take that with them. The the you know, What you want to do if you have a bad performance is get right back out there again. And what you want to do if you have a great performance is get right back out there again because momentum's on your side. So whatever happens in this game, good or bad, it's going to sit with them for three weeks. And you don't want to have a bad performance to think about for three weeks. It's a big game against a traditional rival in conference as all the games will be from now on uh, in conference um so it's kind of a six-point swing when you think about it but coming off of the portland thing i know a lot of players want to get right back out there uh, and and they need to i'm still on the i'm still on the bubble a little bit with this team you know you and i have talked about it a lot um you see things uh, the, the chicharito hat trick and you want to say yes this team is an mls cup finalist for sure these guys are great and then you see games like this one you say wow you know they really haven't grown that much over the last year they're still pretty poor there's a lot of obvious 
uh, you know, defects. I'm kind of in between. I think they've played really well, and I think this could be a really good team, and I think that there's an awfully uh, an awful lot to to work on. I, uh, so I'm not off the bandwagon yet, but I'm not necessarily in the driver's seat either. I still want to see a little bit more of this team, and they're still developing. There's two players that are going to be starters, right, that aren't even here yet, aren't even in the United States yet. So, you know, we need a little bit of time, but I do think that this game with San Jose, it doesn't mean they have to win. If they have a great game, and lose, I think that they can still feel better about themselves playing without two starters. Do, but do, um, do if re- they have a bad game and lose, then then do th- that's not good. Do you think that they that they are somehow taking anything from this game over the weekend? I mean, somebody tried to compare it to the three nothing loss to Seattle, and I said, please send me over whatever you're drinking slash smoking, uh, because they're two completely different games. Um, you know that you can't compare those two. It, it the again we it's very simple. The red card changed that game. There's very little evidence to suggest that wasn't the case. The stats say it. The score says it. Everything says it. Um, the Galaxy ended up winning the possession battle. Not that that matters, but that most of that came because they held most of the possession in the first half, um, and then then seeded some of that possession in the second half. So. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Listen, the Galaxy's even their passing chart, and the only thing I, I really want to say about the passing chart that gives us sort of average uh, positions and stuff like that is go look at you know Chicharito and Efrain Alvarez where their average positions are basically next to each other. Um, and not only are they next to each other, but there's not a lot of distribution coming out of Alvarez, who should have been the 10 guy um, in that role. And so, you know, if you're trying to fix anything in this game, it's perhaps that Efrain Alvarez, um, and we're seeing Greg Vanny have to make these decisions in midfield, but I wouldn't be surprised if against San Jose, a team that plays uh, weird, I'll say weird, uh, with their man marking and some different things that they do on defense and how they attack and a whole bunch of other stuff. They play weird um, that you don't see Alvarez out on the field again because uh, he was a real liability in the first half of this game when things were even, when things were um, you know, more in favor of the LA Galaxy. I'll tell you right now, if the Galaxy don't get that red card, there's zero chance they don't leave without at least a point. Um, I think they had a draw wrapped up in that game and they pro- and they could have stolen three points in that game as well. Well, yeah, are there things that, that were poor? Yeah, I mean, I think you just mentioned Ef- Efrain Alvarez. I think um, Efrain and I think Greg Vanny look at it and say, look, we've been in camp for three months now. Uh, you've been here. You're still not getting it. Why are you standing next to Chicharito? That's the guy you're supposed to be passing the ball to. And then you're going to look at why is Chicharito so far up the field, as you mentioned, it's because the midfield's not getting him the ball. So I think there – and then you look at Jonathan Bond, and I think he's got to come out of this game feeling like the greatest goalkeeper of all time, which is good. That's the kind of feeling you want him to have. But, yeah, I think you do look at the team and said, look, we, we've been together for a while now. I get the chemistry is still coming, but, you know, uh, there are some – some fundamental things that were not being done the way Greg Vanny is, is, had, is teaching them. And so, yeah, I do think that there is, uh, I, I'm not saying you tear it up and start all over again, but I, I do think there's probably a little bit of frustration of, look, guys, we we're better than this. We we've worked on this a lot. And that's why I'm saying going into the San Jose game, if everything clicks and they lose, that's fine. But if they have another game where, the, the midfield can't get the ball to the strikers and the strikers are playing at the midfield stripe. And you have the, you know, the, the guy who's supposed to be the playmaker standing next to the target striker. Yeah. I think some of those are going to be things that they're not going to want to be thinking about for that three week break. Yeah. Uh, it makes some sense. Um, real quickly to uh, some of the game takeaways that we can look at the start for the LA galaxy. Uh, you know, there was a lot being said and I think people were, were a little misinformed, certainly not on this show, but if you hear it in the general context of things of how good the LA galaxy start was and blah, 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 
blah. I mean, technically speaking, now the 2019 start, the 2019 season is now a better start to the season than this 2021 season um, had. And that 2019 season was a team that made the playoffs, but just barely. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you can sort of maybe take in parallel with this 2021 season right now. Uh, 12 points through six games is a great place for the Galaxy to be. In fact, it's tied for the sixth best start, I think, in uh, in LA Galaxy history. So that's not a horrible place to be. It's a it's an under it's way better than probably this team, which is still coming together and sort of being, you know, trying to figure out what exactly they are is um, it's it's a good spot. So, you know, again, I think that uh, there's not much you can take from the game in terms of where the Galaxy are. The Galaxy are not as good as Seattle. I think we've learned that. Um, I'll say they're, they're, in th- they're what they're tied for third. They're in third place. That so is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Tied for third place in the Western Conference right now. Twelve points. Again, the two teams that are in front of them, Kansas City and Seattle, have both played seven games. Technically, the L.A. Galaxy have the second best points per game in the Western Conference right now. Uh, you, in, you know, there's only one team in MLS with more wins. Yeah. Seattle's the only one with more wins. Yeah, I mean, the, again, so there's things that we've sort of seen. And now, people can tear down those wins and tell you, oh, well, you didn't play this team very well. You didn't play that team. Well, let's tear down the losses right now. Uh, you lost to Seattle, who I think is the best team head and shoulders right now in Major League Soccer. Certainly should be number one on all the lists of anywhere you start talking. Um, and they lost to a Portland Timbers game after going down to 10 men. Those are your losses right now. Um, both on turf, by the way. Interesting. Galaxy Ofer on turf so far this season. Um, maybe that plays out a, a little bit differently. But I think are they? Let's see. They may have to actually go up to Vancouver. Things open up, and and Vancouver actually goes back to Vancouver. Then they might have to play on turf in Vancouver. Otherwise, they're going to play in Salt Lake City on on that grass. We'll see how that eventually uh, uh, plays out. But uh, that's what we got there. Um, some other things we're keeping an eye on, just in terms of designated players, Kevin. Uh, so far in 2021, and I have 2020 in here because I forgot to change the chart. But in 2021, uh, we actually have seen the LA Galaxy play 88. Or the LA Galaxy designated players play 88.3% of the available minutes, which is much better than what it was last year. Um, I think we were in the 60% whenever things were were finally done uh, in terms of that. So much better. Kevin Cabral, you know, even the the lowest part of that only because he start he didn't start the first game. He came on as sort of a sub late on there. Um, so the available minutes hurt him a little bit there. But uh, again, uh, Javier Hernandez has played 97% of the available minutes so far. Jonathan Dos Santos, 91% of the available minutes so far. And uh, Kevin Cabral just starting uh, 54% of the available minutes. So something we're watching because we all agree that if the Galaxy want to be good, they need to have all of their designated players on the field uh, for a lot of the time. Is that that's still fair to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Wanted to make sure we weren't uh, weren't diverging there. Uh, you talked about the goal differential, minus one, 10 goals scored, 11 goals against, uh, two three-nothing losses in there. Um, and what we're seeing so far is if we predict this out to a 34-game total, Kevin, the LA Galaxy right now on pace to score 56.7 goals and to give up 62.3 goals. Um, so we can compare that over years um, in in a lot of things. So 57 goals uh, being scored is uh, above average for the LA Galaxy at 48.7 uh, goals is the average across all seasons for the LA Galaxy. Um, and then if we're looking at the uh, the other side of that, and I'll actually have to flip back and forth. So 62 goals um, was our total on uh, on defense, allowing 62 goals. 62 would put them uh, well above average for the for for the uh, the overall for the Galaxy along their life. So about 41.4 goals is average on the goals against, and they're on pace right now to give up 62. That feels skewed. 
right yeah, now. Yeah, that's that's going to turn around when they get the rest of the French Foreign Legion in here. I mean, a holy midfielder and a center back, that's going to change things quite a bit. You would you would think it would, uh, for sure. So anyway, so that's just stuff we were talking about. We talked about Sebastian Legette being called up the U.S. men's national team for this game in Switzerland. There's some four games, basically, he will be playing in or at least available for and away from the LA Galaxy 530 the game at Switzerland uh, Sebastian Legette already departed Kevin he's already there he's already been training uh, he will not be playing this weekend you talked about Jonathan Dos Santos um, not going to Mexico right away not playing in the friendly but getting ready for the CONCACAF Nations League uh, finals which are 6-3 6-6 and 6-9 it looks like right around in that area uh, in terms of the dates and I got these from the, well no from actually there's there's only two games there's, there, there's oh the sorry my final and final yes, yes absolutely you're, you're right i added the friendly in there that is that they've added on is at the end of the u.s men's national team little run here so they have four games 5 30 6 3 6 6 and 6 9 that 6 9 game is versus costa rica in sandy utah uh that's a friendly game as well and it, it, i think greg berhalter's trying to simulate a a stretch of games here for world cup qualifying is that what we're it's saying exactly what he talked about that on a conference call today that's exactly what he's trying to do and by the way this team you know it it gets lost all these calls with sebastian Legette, just how rare this is and, and where Sebastian Legette is. You know, he is the only U.S. national team player to play in the last seven games for the U.S. By the way, the U.S. is uh, uh, unbeaten in their last nine. They're 8-0-1 uh, going back to October of 2019 when they lost to Canada. So Sebastian Legette has played in the last seven. For this team, and and Greg Berhalter did say that this is, uh, he didn't use the exact words, but if you read between the lines, this roster they just called up was a little bit for the, of the template for what he intends to use for World Cup qualifiers. There may be some guys that he gets back that he wants back, like Jordan Morris, you know, who's hurt, Paul Areola. Those guys may come back into the fold. But this is basically what he considers to be his best available first-team roster now. And, you you know, Julian Araujo, some of those guys, uh, they may get called up for Gold Cup. But this is the World Cup qualifying roster. Only four MLS players on this roster. You have uh, Jackson Yule from San Jose, Kellen Acosta from Colorado, uh, and David Ochoa, the young goalkeeper uh, from Real Salt Lake, who I think is just getting a little bit of an experience, uh, you know, in coming in. Sebastian just the fourth. One of four MLS players, probably the only one of those four that'll start. He's been in the last seven games. Um, Sebastian Legette, with his versatility and his talent, has really played himself not only onto the national team, but into a key place in this national team. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, maybe whenever everybody's healthy and stuff like that, he, he's not a he's not a starter all the time. But I think he plays a role. I think he's like if you're going to a World Cup, Sebastian Legette is going with you right now. Um, well, and, and listen to the guys who aren't on the team and weren't even really mentioned in the conversation. No, Michael Bradley. We kind of knew that was coming. No, Josie Altador. Right. No, uh, Jesse Zardes. Um, you know, th these guys are just, they're, they're out right now. They're not really even part of the discussion. Now we may see them in the gold cup. Maybe if they score a hundred goals in the gold cup, some of these guys play themselves in the world cup qualifying. But, uh, right now it's these guys from Europe. Yeah, uh, the the interesting part about that and the galaxy angle from from all this is that the Gold Cup also starts in July, um, and so we were talking a little bit about Julian Araujo possibly getting some national team time. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets called into Gold Cup uh, whenever that starts. And there's not a, there's not, is, there's no international break in July, right? I'm not I'm not crazy. They're, no, they're gonna... the Gold Cup is not a FIFA recognized tournament. That's ridiculous. Why? Why? But, why do but we do you know, this? there is this. There is the, the Copa America. I believe is at the same time, right? Right. So I, I don't know how that'll figure. But um, the European and and there is some. I think some world some qualifying for uh, for the Euros. Maybe the Euros are actually being played then. It, it, it this year it may it, 
Traditionally, to answer your question, traditionally the Gold Cup does not fall during international break. Players don't have to be allowed to go. That's why you never see any European players, or right. rarely do you see European players. This may be a different year because everything got uh, switched around with yeah. um, with COVID. Um, normally, Gold Cup and and the Euros and all that are are in different years. This year, things are a little bit different. It th- there may be a window for this tournament. Yeah, just sort of again, keep your mind on that. I I I got the the schedule all the way down basically through June, Kevin. That was that was my my only job uh, for this particular podcast. Again, Galaxy play San Jose coming up on Saturday, May 29th. Then Saturday, June 19th. So they get three weeks off. They'll play Seattle on Saturday, June 19th. That's supposed to be a full capacity game, 6 p.m. On, uh, on Juneteenth there. Uh, so that should be a one heck of a show. By the way, the first game to be on Spectrum Sportsnet, that game right there, Saturday, June 19th. So get your viewing uh, positions ready uh, whenever you're ready to follow a Spectrum game. Then it's away to Vancouver. We expect that that's still going to be at Rio Tinto Stadium. So as of right now, June 23rd, that's where the LA Galaxy will be on Wednesday. By the way, their first midweek game comes on June 23rd. That's the midweek. So June 19th on Saturday. Then you have a Wednesday game, June 23rd. And then Saturday away at San Jose Earthquakes. This one taking place in a venue change, not at Stanford Stadium, at PayPal Park on Unamas. And if if they do go to Rio Tinto, I'm told, I talked to the Vancouver people recently, there's still no plans to hold fans there. I mean, they they talked about the idea of you know, hey, maybe people will, uh, away fans want to come. Maybe there's some Vancouver fans in Salt Lake. Yeah, there's a good chance of that. But uh, they're not they're not planning to open the stadium. So anyone that wants to go to that game, um, not, probably not going to be able to get tickets to that game. They're, it's probably going to, if if Vancouver remains in Salt Lake, it'll probably be uh, closed door. And by the way, the penalty, or if you want to call it that, um, for this three-week break coming up is, the fact that now games are going to start to pick up and we're going to have a game of just about, you know, uh, three games a week or two games a week at least uh, going forward because they're going to have a lot of midweek games coming up. It's an interesting time. Uh, if you look at the weekly schedule for the LA Galaxy, uh, basically the team was off on Monday as we recorded today. They've been taking Mondays off, not a surprise, just sort of with the flow of games. It's usually a game on Saturday and uh, a regen session on Sunday and then off on Monday and then they come back. So the Galaxy will be training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday is our media availability call. That's whenever we'll be able to find out the status of guys like Sega Koulibaly, um, if we haven't figured it out by then already. Um, guys like Grant Sear and whether or not he's injured, what he's going to play uh, Victor Vasquez and whether or not he will be available because I would imagine that Vasquez is is will be wanting to come back into this team for this game and play in the center um, and help alleviate some of the problems perhaps that they've had and with Sebastian Legette out that makes sense that he would fall into there um, and sort of uh, play in that role so and that's a guy but, I but think how, the Galaxy have been bad, missing he is he's very key but how bad is the injury because he's been on one thing he was on the bench everywhere he was on the bench last week not against Portland but they didn't want to bring him to Portland and play him on turf, right? That made yeah. sense. Um, so, you know, he was available to play whenever they played uh, versus Austin. So I have to imagine that he's on the cusp of being ready to come back, certainly for this week. Um, and if you don't get him this week, then you you don't, and he gets three more weeks off. I mean, well, And that's the point, is if, if it's iffy, if it's even a decision at all, you give him the extra three weeks because... You know, um, and, and on the other hand, if he, if he tweaks it again, he's got three weeks to recover. Right. But the idea of if you don't use him, he gets 
like a six-week break. Um, and then he should be strong for the rest of the season. If you put him out there for 90 minutes and he, he tweaks it again, this could be an issue like like Jonathan had last year. This could be an issue that follows him all season. Uh, let's see. The, the LA Galaxy people are asking in the chat room, sort of talking about starting lineups. What will you anticipate for San Jose? I think it's certainly up in the air about whether Grant Sear plays. We've talked about Legette not being available for that. Derek Williams is going to be out for that game as well. So you're missing three starters um, whenever you're looking at that. I think Nick Depew comes in and plays a center back position right now. That doesn't seem to be any argument over that. Um, and I think that with a week of playing together again, that they will be able to be a solid back line, certainly with Jonathan Bomb back there. And this is how they started the season as well. It's not totally unknown. Um, so you can put that sort of into perspective on some things. Um, whenever you come into the center, Adam Saldana, does he make a return? Carlos Harvey, does he come in and sort of fill in some, for some spots? And if Victor Vasquez can't go, then you are looking at maybe putting somebody like Sasha Kleshin in as a starter, or are you going to put in Efrain Alvarez again? Um, how are you going to fill that spot? And if Grant Sear can't go, then is Cameron Dunbar starting? You know, there's, there's some things that sort of go downhill quickly here. What about Zubek? Uh, Zubek, Zubek could play out there as well. Or do you want to bring in, bring on the uh, the the so-called Chicha Whisperer later in the game, uh, where he's had a lot of success? What uh, I don't think he can do is I don't think he can go to a four-four-two because I, I just I I you, you know, can I I could make a four-four-two out of it. You move Cabral up. Cabral would yeah. Be, you'd have to play Cabral up there, but he's, I I just think he's so much better on the wing than he would be if you put him be, because you've seen him for ninety for a hundred and ten minutes. I don't know the answer play, to that. Well, he draw. He, I mean, he's so good at drawing people out wide. From he what is. I've seen, he is. But I think even in a four four two, I mean, Thierry Henry used to love to start his runs uh, as a forward on the sideline, right? And and cut inside. I mean, that's a great way to to sort of play in a four four two if you're going to do that. I also don't think the Galaxy need to play in four four two. If you looked at the passing chart from last time, they had three guys on that top line with Grant Sear, uh, with Chicharito, and with uh, Cabral. And whenever you do that effectively, you should basically have three attackers moving forward. Um, I would like to see a little bit of difference there between Chicharito being ahead of most of those guys whenever that happens, uh, just in, in terms of formation and space. And I would like to see a competent 10 in there that's able to sort of distribute. That's why Victor Vasquez, if he's playing, the LA Galaxy have a real chance of just running over San Jose. Uh, San Jose got got sort of smacked in the mouth uh, last weekend. Um, and so uh, they're, they're reeling a little bit. I think this is the time for the LA Galaxy to sort of pick them off, but we can talk about that a little more on Thursday as we go. Well, just a reminder, Galaxy will be wearing their Parley kits, Kevin, which means that all of the gorgeous kits that the LA Galaxy have for this season uh, are thrown out the window and in the worst time ever to watch replays MLS has decided to put partly kits on which is the same colorway for every single game you'll have no idea if you get a chance to watch four games at once which you can do with the MLS uh, ESPN plus app Kevin you would have no idea who is playing unless you were watching it and this is apparently what they love to do every year um, I, I'm starting to hate it I think the kits are cool um, but do something to make it so that way I can actually tell who's playing just by looking at colors because I think MLS does a poor job of that well it's easy to pick Chicharito up because of those shoes you got those fluorescent yeah, uh, neon shoes. Sometimes they're red. Sometimes yeah. they're fluorescent. I mean, he switches it up. You don't know. Maybe he's going to go very bland. Maybe he's going to go like a neon blue to match the uh, match the outfits. But uh, the Parley kit's playing uh, this weekend um, at Dignity Health Sports Park. And again, attendance cap still in place for this game. So don't expect to find a ticket. There might be some on the uh, secondary market. But as we were talking about earlier, everybody wants to get in this game. Lots of tickets, lots of people want to buy, not so many people want to sell, and therefore there's going to be a lot of people who are left out, but hopefully, fingers crossed, and it seems that way, this is the last time you have to worry about that, June 19th, full capacity for the LA Galaxy. So, How many people do you think come back for that game? Do you think that it's 25? I bet you it's not. I bet you it's over 20, 
I yeah, mean, I think I think that's a safe bet. I uh, let's see. When is the game? It's a six p.m. game, right? On a Saturday. Is that is that when it is? Here, I'm going to look up the schedule again. I'm just going to pull. It, you're pull. talking about the Seattle game. Yeah, six p.m. on a yes, Saturday. They, correct. I bet you can get. I bet you it might be a sellout. I bet you it might be a sellout. Twenty. There's not. You don't have twenty five thousand people. Isn't a ton of people to convince Kevin. That's not. A, yeah. That's not a ton. Uh, there's plenty of people in the LA area who would, who probably feel more than happy to go back and into some of these things. But yeah, it's gonna be a little weird. The concourse is gonna be busy. You know, our, our press box. Are they gonna shrink our press box back down too? That means everybody gets to go. That'd be kind of fun. I'm I'm okay with that. Most of the people up there are vaccinated. I'm a happy camper. I'll wear my mask. Be a good. And we be a good and boy. we still have those little. I hope they keep those little uh, hockey glass uh, plexiglass things between the workstations. That's kind of cool. No. No, you don't I like hope, those? No, I hope they go away immediately. Most of the time, because you don't pay attention when I sit next to you anyway. I'm like, hey, Kevin, did you see this? Nothing. Crickets. Nothing. Well, I, You're just I, typing away I, on your story. Aren't you? Aren't you? Yeah. Well, I'm on deadline all the yeah, time. Aren't, aren't you to the point where you should be able to figure out what's going on in the field without asking me all the time? Yes, that's usually what happens. It's not you yeah. asking me. It's me asking <laughs> never, you. Never. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. I'm glad everybody has that <laughs> for sure. All right. LA Galaxy have a game coming up against San Jose on May 29th. Again, heads up, you will get no coverage from me personally, probably not from the Twitter account. Larry Morgan will be writing a recap and I'll post that whenever I get a chance uh, from my vacation. Uh, and then it will be off uh, for a little bit for in, in terms of the podcast uh, while I get some 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 vacation time with with two children on a long road trip and a long flight. That sounds horrible. Yeah. It, I, way, I, to, way to schedule it during the season. Told, Man, what were you thinking? My wife picked out these dates, I would like to point out. Okay. And I said, no, that's fine. Didn't even look at the schedule. And then I only missed one game. I'm winning. Who's who's winning right now? I, I hit the jackpot. I hit the well, enjoy Wally World. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Philip uh, Philip asks in the chat room just before we go. Philip asks, says Josh, any traction to the Allison Drini self referral? Did you see this? Uh, yeah, I did. That was very cute and very predictable. You knew he was going to do that. Yeah, Ramon Alessandrini replying back to an LA Galaxy post. Hey, if you need another French guy, I'm available. You know that type of thing. Uh, and that's man, did he love it here? Yeah, I'm, he does. I think that's great. I think everybody should enjoy that. And there's absolutely no way that's happening. I, it, by the way, it could happen. There's there's nothing really getting in the way of that besides money and an agreement and some other things. There's some you know international things that probably have to happen. Um, but at the same time. It's not happening. I don't see it. I don't think that they have the room for it right now. Although it would be fun. It would be fun. It would be. I, and I think he he wanted to become a citizen. He may not need an international slot. And I bet you he would he would pay them to come back. So the money may not be an issue. I mean, he probably um, wants some money, Kevin. I don't think they'll pay. I don't think he'll pay. But I mean, you're yes. I think that you probably still have to pay him around five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars. This is a guy who was making in the one point what 1. 1. 1.8 1.9 range like right in there around two million dollars so he's, he's about half of what people cost yeah yeah absolutely so there we go all right but i hey i roman ellison is such a great guy like how can you ever not like that guy i there's lots of things happened with his injuries lots of things that i would say i would have second guesses of bringing him back if you were gonna if you needed to rely on him but if you don't need to rely on him and it's a guy off the bench i mean bruce made a, an MLS career out of getting veteran players who he knew who he trusted to come off the bench and fill in spots uh, whenever he needed to. So, hey, maybe Greg Vanny can do the same with uh, with Roman Alessandrini. That yeah. would be awesome. I'd, I'd be in favor of that. I, I'm glad. I'll tell. We'll, 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 we'll send a note yeah, to Dennis. I'm gonna right? call, I'm, yeah, I'm going to call Dennis right now. <laughs> that always works. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Anything else? You good? 
You want to talk about John Cleese some more? No, absolutely not. No, no, we're done. Absolutely, 100%. Farmer John Cleese. No, not going to happen. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Please head on over to latimes.com where you can find all of Kevin's articles, writings, uh, get his newsletter as well. That'll hit your email box uh, this morning, early tomorrow morning uh, on a a Tuesday morning. So make sure you do that if you can. Head on over to latimes.com. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com reviews videos podcasts all that stuff is there cornerofthegalaxy.com all right that does it for me for kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman you've been listening you've been watching to corner of the galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at galaxy podcast And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.